Welcome to Puritan's Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 68 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk. You should carefully observe this. For if the devil was so malicious and presumptuous as to assault our blessed Savior, with such devilish temptations, injecting into him such vile and blasphemous notions and thoughts. Should you think it strange that he does perplex you with the like? And for all this, you have no cause to doubt, whether Christ were the Son of God or no, though the devil make an if of it, and it was the thing the devil aimed at, Why then should it be doubted that any of Christ's members may be thus assaulted? And yet, surely, they have no cause for this to question, whether they be sanctified or in a state of grace. For these vain thoughts in them are so far from being abominable evils that, being not consented to, they are, as I said, not their sins. It is a piece of the devil's cunning. First, to fill a man full of abominable thoughts, and then to be the first that shall put in this accusation and doubt. Viz, is it possible for any child of God that is sanctified with God's Holy Spirit to have such thoughts? But consider well that an innocent Benjamin may have Joseph's cup put into his sack's mouth without his knowledge or consent by him who for his own ends intended thereby to accuse Benjamin of theft and ingratitude. Genesis 44, 2, 4, 15. Was Benjamin anything the more dishonest or ungrateful for this? No. Satan does not want malice or cunning in this kind to play his feats. When he cannot corrupt men, yet there he will vex and perplex them. But let it be granted that these blasphemous and abominable thoughts which trouble you are indeed your sins, either because they arise from your own evil heart or because you did consent to them. If so, then, You have much cause to grieve and repent, but not to despair or to say you are not God's child. For it is possible for a sanctified man to be made guilty, either by outward act or by consent and approbation, or by some means or other of any one sin, except that against the Holy Ghost. And yet, if he confess and bewail his sin and repent, believe, and ask mercy, it shall be forgiven him, for he has our Savior's word for it. Matthew 12, 31-32.
And whereas you say, you were not troubled with such abominable thoughts before you made profession of a holy life? I answer, this is not to be wondered at. For before that time, the devil and you were friends. Then he thought it enough to suffer you to be proud of your civil honesty, or it may be to content yourself with a mere form of godliness because that you were free from notorious crimes as adultery, lying, swearing, etc. For when he could, by these more plausible ways, lead you captive at his will, he saw you were his, sure enough already. What need was there then that he should solicit you any further or disturb your quiet? But now that you have renounced him in earnest and that he and you are opposites, you may be sure that he will attempt by all means to reduce you into your old state. Or if he fail of that, yet as long as you live, so far as God shall permit, he will do whatever he can to disturb your peace by vexing and molesting you. Moreover, God does permit this for diverse holy purposes. Number one, to discover the devil's malice. Number two, to chasten his children and to humble them because they were too well conceited of the goodness of their nature in their unregeneracy or might be too uncharitable and censorious of others and too presumptuous of their own strength since they were regenerate. Number three, God likewise permits these buffetings and winnowings of Satan both to prevent pride and other sins and to exercise and try the graces of his children to give them experience of their own weakness and of his grace towards them and strength in them even in their weakness, preserving them from being vanquished, although they fight with principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness. For God's strength is made perfect in man's weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Remedies against evil and blasphemous thoughts. That Christians who are troubled with blasphemous and other abominable thoughts may be less troubled, or at least not hurt by them, follow these directions. 1. Proofs of the being of God. First, arm yourself with evident proofs that there is a God, that there is a divine, spiritual, absolute, and independent being from whom and to whom are all things, and by whom all things consist. Next, confirm yourself in a sure persuasion that the Bible and Holy Scriptures are the pure word of this only true God. Then labor with your heart that it so reverence and love God and his will as to be always ready to rise against 
every motion to sin, especially these of the worst kind, with loathing and detestation. First, to be assured that there is a God. Consider first the creation, preservation, and order of the creatures. How could it be possible that such a world could be made and upheld, or that there should be such an order or subordination among creatures, if there were not a God? The heavens give their influence into the air, water, and earth. These, by virtue hereof, afford means of comfort and support to all living creatures. Psalm 19, 104. The creatures without sense serve for the use of the sensitive, and all serve for the use of man, who, although he be an excellent creature, yet of himself he is so impotent that he cannot add one cubit to his stature, Luke twelve twenty five. Nay, he cannot make one hair white or black, therefore could not be the maker of these things, Matthew five thirty six. Moreover, if the creatures were not limited and ordered by a superior being, they would devour one another in such a manner as to bring all to confusion. For the savage beasts would eat up and destroy all the tame and gentle. The strong would consume the weak, Job 38, 10, 11. The sea, if it had not bounds set to its proud waves, would stand of the mountains. Psalm 104, 6. And the devil, who hates mankind, would not suffer a man to live at any quiet. If there were not a God, one stronger than the strongest creatures, to restrain Satan and to confine everything to its place and order. How could there be a continual vicissitude of things? How could we have rain and fruitful seasons and our souls be filled with food and gladness if there were no God? Acts 14. 15 through 17. Thus, by the creation, the invisible things of God, that is, his eternal power and Godhead, are clearly seen. Romans 1.20. For by these things, which are thus made and thus preserved, he has not left himself without witness that God is and that he made all things for himself even for his own glory, Proverbs 16, 4. Secondly, if all things came by nature and not from a God of nature, how then have miracles, which are many times against nature and do always transcend and exceed the order and power of nature, been wrought? For nature in itself does always work, even in its greatest works, in one and the same manner and order. For nature is nothing else but the power of God in the creatures to support them and to produce their effects in due order. Wherefore, 
If anything be from nature or from miracle, it is from God, the one from his power in things ordinary, the other from his power in things extraordinary. Wherefore, when you look on things natural or above nature, you may see there is a God. Thirdly, look into the admirable workmanship of but one of the creatures, namely, your own soul, and particularly into your conscience. Whence are your fears that you shall be damned? What need it, nay, how could it trouble you for your blasphemous thoughts and other sins if it were not privy to itself that there is a God who will bring every thought into judgment? Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen. Fourthly, make use of the eye of faith whereby you may see God who is invisible and that more distinctly, more certainly, and more fully. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. Remember that it is the first principle of all religion, which is first to be learned, namely, that God is, that all things are made by him, and that he is a rewarder of all those who so believe this. They that Diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, 3, 6. This concludes episode 68 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk. <laughs>